Welcome to Healthcare Beat, a healthcare podcast brought to you by Seiparth Shaw's cross-disciplinary healthcare team. Each beat will focus on key industry trends and the latest developments while identifying practical takeaways for those in this space. I'm Adam Lawton, partner in Seiparth's corporate department and host of Healthcare Beat. Let's jump in. Today's guest on the Healthcare Beat is Bill Hanlon, a colleague in Seiparth's Boston office and chair of the firm's bankruptcy practice. Bill, welcome to the Healthcare Beat. Thanks, Adam. Bill, just give us maybe a big picture overview to start with. How is the pandemic affecting bankruptcy cases generally? 2021 has seen an overall decline in the number, size, and frequency of bankruptcy filings. There really are two large-scale factors at play. Number one, the courts have been closed or they've been reluctant to enforce creditors' rights. And number two, the economy has been flooded with federal stimulus. So when you look at those two large-scale factors, they both undermine the principal benefit of filing for bankruptcy, which is that it invokes the automatic stay. That stops all litigation and gives debtors the breathing room to either reorganize their affairs or to sell their assets. And the automatic stay has decreased utility in an era of moratoria, closed courts, or judges reluctant to grant relief to creditors. Nobody needs to rush into a bankruptcy. And unlike the other three or four prior downturns that I've practiced through, Black Monday, the internet bubble, the uh, housing bubble, the pandemic has a neutral moral quality, and that has really encouraged more people to work out their issues. It's not like uh, bankruptcies are caused by overreaching or house flipping or bad investments. This is really a cause that nobody could control or foresee. And when we think about the healthcare industry, obviously they're very involved in. COVID-19 and COVID response. So what are the trends in bankruptcies around healthcare? Well, similar to uh, the overall trend, healthcare bankruptcies are down significantly in 2021. So, for example, in the retail sector, there were 42 bankruptcies in 2020. In 2021, that's down to 16. In restaurants, there were 20 bankruptcies in 2020. Those are usually chains. And we only have five in 2021. And in healthcare, there were 18 major bankruptcies in 2020, and we're seeing fewer of those. We're seeing 12 in 2021. So the numbers are down across the board, and healthcare is also down. What COVID caused in the healthcare industry is really a focus on operations and not long term business, cash flow issues arose due to a decrease in elective procedures and an increase in protective gear and hospital staff costs. It really was an operational challenge, which kind of took the eye of hospital administrators and management and other healthcare management off the long term and really focused them on the short term, which was dealing with the pandemic issues. Those issues, though, were mitigated by the CARES Act and the resumption of elective procedures that we saw this summer, 
the CARES Act pumped a lot of stimulus money in, and for at least the summer, there was a resumption of quote-unquote normal operations at most healthcare facilities. Unfortunately, now the Delta variant has emerged and reversed some of this progress. I think once the Delta variant comes under control, we can look forward to an expansion of mergers and acquisitions and continuing divesting of non-performing or underperforming assets, particularly in the skilled nursing and home health areas. A lot of stimulus went towards avoiding hospital and nursing home closings during the pandemic, but this stimulus is not forever, and the lack of elective procedures, modest reimbursement rates, and lack of staffing and rising costs of staffing will likely catch up with this industry in 2022. Healthcare filings are down across all sectors, and they're variously divided into pharma, support services, technology, and equipment, and healthcare facilities. The companies that have filed have filed for somewhat traditional reasons, and they reflect some of the long-term trends that I just mentioned, the modest reimbursement rates and staffing pressures. For example, Hillside Village, a continuing care facility in Keene, New Hampshire, just entered into a Chapter 11 in August with the intent of selling its underperforming business. It's typical of a continuing care facility, which is overly reliant on private pay customers to make profit and simply can't make do with the reimbursement rates and the increased staffing costs that we're seeing affecting the industry generally. Uh, another filing in August was Rath Medical, which is a Florida acute care and diagnostic imaging facility. They had a crash filing after their secured lender swept its cash after a default. And then another example of a recent filing is Mercy Hospital in Chicago. That filed in February of 2021 after state regulators refused to let it close. It had been suffering from a lack of capital investment and was serving a population which was reliant on government reimbursement for healthcare costs or no reimbursement at all. And it was actually sold for a dollar to a new group with a new deal with the city of Chicago to make sure that Mercy Hospital stayed open to take care of underserved Southside patients. And it's an interesting deal. It's emblematic of some of the rural hospital closings and city hospital closings, which serve poorer populations, unlikely to have private capability, and are dependent on community support to continue. So, Bill, when you look across the filings and the healthcare companies or providers that are in trouble, you can probably see some of the long-term issues in the healthcare industry, particularly, that are causing a lot of the problems. So, what sort of things are you seeing emerging out of the kinds of filings in bankruptcy court or other types of actions involving troubled debtors? Well, continuing care, and I would include skilled nursing facilities in that definition, 
is generally overbetted in most states, and it's largely dependent on private pay in order to operate profitably. So we're going to see a continued consolidation and closing of facilities that cannot make it without a substantial portion of their population being in the private pay category or that are undercapitalized and older and don't qualify under current state regulations. Staffing is going to be a continuing critical and almost crisis issue. There are simply not enough trained medical staff for current needs. And those medical staff that have been working throughout the pandemic at a grueling pace are really suffering from fatigue. So that is going to be a continuing issue. It's hazardous work, and it's expensive for the facilities to maintain a well-qualified and efficient staff. The surge in the Delta variant is taking up resources, which would otherwise allocated towards elective procedures and routine health care, and that is limiting some of the more profitable practices at healthcare facilities. So we're going to see that as a continuing issue until the Delta variant and I suppose other variants are brought under control. And then from the restructuring side, there is an ongoing legal issue which any medical facility that has contracts with Medicare and Medicaid has to be very aware of, and that is that a typical bankruptcy sale is quote-unquote free and clear of past claims. And that is a difficult objective to get to in the Medicare and Medicaid areas where many courts have ruled that Medicare and Medicaid and the federal government have recoupment and set-off rights, which can saddle the acquirer of facilities with debt from the distressed entity. It just makes it more difficult to sell the entity if the acquirer is stuck with their historical losses and the government can recoup or set off from advances to recapture past overpayments. So the legal issue there is the courts conclude that a provider's participation in Medicare is a single integrated transaction, and that permits the government to recover these advances, notwithstanding a bankruptcy. That issue is not going to go away, and anybody considering a bankruptcy needs to think long and hard about the availability of forums and the rulings within their circuit. And Bill, just to wrap up, you know, we've talked about a lot of things, but for, you know, folks in this industry, what would you say are a couple of main takeaways that they can leave this discussion with? So I would say that rural hospitals, hospitals in poor communities, urban hospitals in poor communities, and skilled nursing homes are most likely to be undercapitalized, short-staffed, and subject to declining reimbursement rates. Also subject to higher costs, and in the case of rural hospitals, reduced populations. These are the most likely facilities to fail in the years ahead as the stimulus dries up and the most likely to be the target of either closure or acquisition. On the flip side, there will be community support for 
these types of healthcare providers, often to avoid the community losing their only source of healthcare providers. And we've seen this play out in the Mercy Hospital case in Chicago with a new contract with the city to make sure that the hospital is available to serve an underserved population. Bill, thanks for sharing your expertise and time with us today. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us today for another edition of SciFarth's Healthcare Beat podcast, bringing you the latest developments and pressing issues in healthcare. So you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to visit SciFarth.com, where you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. We look forward to having you with us again soon.